Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pressure Points, and it is the Round 15 edition coming off the last weekend of buys. It's been a bit of a slog the last four weeks with all these buys and uh, an inconsistent round of footy, but we've finally, finally seen the back end of them. It feels like it was that long that we were sitting through that. I mean, I actually said to you today, I thought it was only three weeks. I didn't realize this was the fourth week we've been through, and it's just absolutely dragged. Yes, thank God we're on the other side of it now and we can finally get the proper eight games of football every week instead of it being chopped up like it was. What are your thoughts on it? Do you reckon they should just change it to the one week? I know a lot of people have been been calling for it, especially with no teams winning off the bye as well. Yeah, look, I think from a fan's perspective, um, a one week is definitely the way to go. I mean, I know where the AFL is coming from. That That's one whole week they won't be making any money. So I can understand why they've made that decision. But I think from a fan's point of view, and like you said, maybe even a club point of view, due to the fact that not many teams win off the bye. Um, they're, they're, yeah, doing it all in the one week might be what everybody needs. Well, if, if history repeats and all teams coming off the bye lose this weekend, I think I think there'll probably, there might be a petition for it to just be one bye or you can only play a team that's also coming off the bye. You know, I, I can, if, if, if things go again, go down a similar path this weekend, I think there could be some some change for next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would make sense to do that too because, I mean, the evidence is there. It's happening. It's happened. Everyone's noticing it. It's happening before our eyes. So it would only make sense to do that. But in saying that, what do because I'm trying to put my finger on it. I can't quite figure out what it is. What, what do you think it is about coming off the buy? Like in, in all, you know, when you think about it and on paper, it looks like you should come off the buy fresh, ready to go and, you know, probably do better than a team that didn't have the week off the game before. So what, do you, what is it about the buy do you think that actually makes him comes out a bit sloppier? Not sure. Logically, you'd think it would be an advantage to have that rest and, you know, players say they crave the rest and it refreshes you and everything. But obviously, it doesn't work. You know, I think, you know, a lot of the players go on like a mini holiday. They, they get away. They probably have a few beers, probably eat food that they don't usually eat. And, you know, maybe they, they're just that, you know, 5, 5% off um, and it must just make a difference and just takes them out of their usual routine and, and rhythm and, um, and yeah, just gives them that percentage off and it's, yeah, costing them on game day. Yeah, it really is. So, I mean, we'll have to wait till next year to see if anything happens now. But, yeah, I think, like you said, it, uh, the AFL will most likely have to make some sort of a change. And personally, I, I'd like it all to be in the one week. Everyone has a week off. Fans alike can all relax and, you know, settle down a little bit because I know this time of the year things start getting a little bit antsy for everybody. So it'd be nice just to... Have an AFL industry-wide break. Yeah, and it's good. Like as soon as the buys are done, it's like here we go. This is the business end of the season and second half of the season, and every game pretty much matters to to most teams, except for about four or maybe three, I think. Um, and every game pretty much is is like a final for most teams from from here on in. So it's um it's yeah it's probably the most exciting part of the season you'd think with so much on the line for. For most of the competition. Yeah, well, as Damien Hardwick used to call it while he was coaching, it's uh, it's big boy month, really, heading into this. Um, well, probably big boy two months because of the way the competition's shaping up at the moment. But yeah, this last couple of months heading into September is definitely going to be uh, yeah, an absolutely thrilling ride. Speaking of Dimmer, did you hear his podcast with Dylan Friends? I'm about 55 minutes in, so I've still got about uh, yeah another half hour or so to go. But so far, I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing. Um. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very. It's such an interesting man. Like as a Richmond fan, 
you know, there's bits and pieces. Like I'm obviously were quite well documented, and I was pretty much all over them. But um, there's some things there that yeah, I never knew, and it was just really interesting. And I think even if you're not a Richmond fan, it's a fantastic listen just to get the insights of someone that took teams took a team to heights that not a lot of people thought they would ever get to. So it's um it's definitely a good listen and recommend jumping across. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Richmond and and Carlton as well, we both had the bye on the weekend, so it's been a uh, it's been a, a stress free relaxing weekend of, of footy for the first time this year for both of us so it's um it's been good i, I enjoyed it. i think as, def, as definitely as a carlton supporter we uh we needed a bit of a uh, a, stre- a stress release um after a pretty tough first half of the year so um but unlike richmond i think you guys probably came into the buy with with some strong form yeah if anything the buyers almost hurt us a little bit i thought um we were playing some good football and we're getting consecutive wins three in a row now and we've got Brisbane at the Gabba this Thursday night. And we had a, we would have had a shorter turnaround, obviously, if we didn't have the buy. So it might have worked out in that sense. But, yeah, you lose that momentum. And I don't know what's happened in that little break, but we've now lost Dion Prestia for Thursday night. So it's a – yeah, look, it's a tough one. Hopefully it works out in our favour. But Brisbane at the Gabba, not many teams are going to beat him there. So I don't know quite how I feel about heading into that one. Yeah, yeah. Look, you're not winning that. Let's let's be honest. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get into our tips at the end of the – end of the episode um but <laughs> shall we talk about the probably the biggest story of the weekend that is the west coast eagles and when we thought they had hit rock bottom so far this year then geez they they took it to another level and geez you, you bloody hope for their sake that this is rock bottom because to lose by 171 points and concede 205 points in a game of footy is is unheard of in the modern era and especially in professional sport. And um, it's serious issues at a footy club and um, they look like they're, they look like they need to almost have the rest of the season off or just jot them down to the, the to the next, um, or to the VFL or to the waffle and yeah, just get them out of the AFL because it's not good for the competition having a team like this at the moment. It's really not. It's one of those teams that everyone's banking down as just a win now. It may as well be a buy round for the club that plays West Coast, the way they're shaping up. I was at my local footy club most of Saturday and Saturday night, and I remember when the West Coast game was on, everyone was frantically refreshing their phones, and I saw the Sydney score thinking, there's, there's no way they've scored 200 points, but that's just where West Coast are at at the moment. And for such a big club as well, I think they're in a position where they might not struggle – as much as what someone that's not as big would would in a sense that sponsorships and things like that, because they're so big, they'll keep all of those. But a, a smaller club in the, the position they're in would definitely crumble. And look, I hope it doesn't come to that for West Coast because they are such a great club. And I think they had 40-odd thousand supporters um, there on the weekend, which considering um, how they're going at the moment is a testament to their fans. But yeah, they're in dire straits at the moment. And I'm not one to point fingers at the coach, but I feel like something needs to be shaken up there and whether that's Adam Simpson's departure, I don't know what the answer is, but something big needs to be done because we can't keep, you know, blaming COVID from two years ago and injury. Like the injuries are definitely playing a toll, but I think it's the lack of effort that's probably the most concerning thing. Yeah, it's the lack of effort from, especially from their senior players as well. Their premiership players that they've still got in their team, It's um, they've clearly all checked out by the looks of things and... Um, yeah, you feel like something seriously is is wrong at the core of that club at the moment, and you know, yeah, injuries, yeah, injuries have been bad for him. Yeah, I think it's definitely been somewhat of an excuse for for some of the season, and you know, it was massive for him last year, but this year it's just 
it's more than that. It's it's more than injuries. It's it's effort. It's um, it's drive. It's passion. It's I don't know. I think a lot of these senior players have just probably given up hope of where the club's heading and and just are looking for a new start. And, and the club probably should have probably should have cashed in on them and and traded them out last year or the year before. So it's probably set them back a few few years now with the rebuild. That that definitely needs to happen. It really does. And look, do you, I don't know how much currency some of their older players have. Like Nick Natnui's got next to no currency. He's not getting a game due to injury. He's been injured for the last three or four seasons now. Um, do you look at someone like Shuey and these sorts of blokes, you try and push him at the door? Oscar Allen's probably the player with the most currency in that side, but he's probably young enough where you can build a team around him. So do, do you, you're going to make those tough calls now. Do you push someone like an Oscar Allen out the door give him an opportunity to probably a better club just so you can get draft picks in and start rebuilding that way? Or do you use him as your centre point and you build around him? They're the big questions they're going to start asking themselves now West Coast and and they're going to start doing it sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. They've got some big, a big, big off season, that's for sure. And, you know, they're going to have the number one pick and there's talk that they're going to look to trade that off for, for a flurry of picks in the, in the first round. And, you know, it, it probably makes sense and, You'd think Harley Reid's going to be the number one pick, and, and does he really want to relocate to Perth and and play in this West Coast team that's look that looks like they're going to go through some some serious pain for a few years? Um, do they just yeah get rid of that number one pick and, and and pick a bunch of superstar young players in that in that first round and potentially some some local Western Australians too? So it's going to be a big uh, big draft and trade period for him and and. Their, yeah, their, their future really, really starts now, and um, and yeah, the futures of you know players like McGovern and Gaff and even Shuey to an extent. Yeah, Nat Nui probably look, looks like he's going to retire. Um, yeah, like Jack Darling's still there, Jamie Cripps, like did some serious players still there. Like you wonder what's going to happen to them now, and and you know yeah, you speak about their trade value. It's it's definitely definitely gone down compared to what it was twelve or twenty four months ago. A hundred percent. And I think that's where these guys have themselves players themselves and the club are going to come to a decision and think, all right, who's going to be worth something? And then the players that may or may not be worth something, do they want to stick around and help the rebuild? Are they going to be patient enough to, you know, to, to see out their career at a rebuilding club? Or are they going to, you know, do what's probably best for the club and move and try and get some currency across? But like you said, in terms of the draft, I, I reckon... I can't see them taking that number one pick. I just don't think it'd be the right decision for them. And their, their best bet would be to try and trade that pick away and and yeah, and get some um, some other first round picks because I think one pick is great. Like you're going to get a star player, and at this stage it will be Harley Reid, and he's no doubt going to be a superstar. Um, but you could also get a handful of really good players uh, rather than just one super good one. So I reckon they'll trade that number one pick. And then in terms of the senior players that are still there, it's going to be an interesting conversation come the back end of the year. If they do try the number one pick, where's it going? That's the magic question, isn't it? I mean, who who needs it right now? I mean, Hawthorne could probably do with it. They've got a lot of young players coming up. Like they would, it would make sense for them to maybe do it. But even then, like they still want to try and get some more talent through the door. I'm not quite sure. Um, North or another obvious one, but that hasn't worked out for them in the past. So maybe not. Like, yeah, really, I've got no idea. Um, it's a tough one. Who, who would you say? Who would you say? Um, yeah, I'd say someone like North or Hawthorne, um, maybe North. I think they've got a, yeah, they'll they'll have a bunch of picks that they can probably trade for them, and, and they're a team that's yeah definitely in their rebuild and, and early stages of the rebuild. So I think if they can get a player like Harley Reid 
in their team to you know a company Sheasel and, and Wardlaw and, and players like this, then that'll um that'll really set up their future nicely. If you we feel like the same could be said for Hawthorne, but you know you feel like they've already got some some pretty good young players in there. But yeah, I, I'd say out of those two, you'd, you'd probably think North. But who knows? There'll probably be someone a surprising team that that comes out of nowhere and does it. Hopefully not a you know, a top eight or a top four team because that'll just be uh, severely unfair. But I'd say someone, somewhat. Well, I think teams will definitely come hard. Um, I think yeah, you'd be silly not to. Yeah, I think the, the the highlights packages and the game footage and everything we've seen from Harley Reid at the moment, you're going to get a lot of clubs throwing their hat in the race to try and get him to get it done. And look, I know you said that hopefully he's in a top eight or top four team, but to me that almost makes sense depending on where your list is at. I mean, if you're a Geelong, probably not, but if you're Collingwood that's still got a reasonably young, uh, young list or um, one of these other up-and-coming finalist kind of teams, you're probably not too interested in your first-round draft picks as much as you are the current talent you've got. And if you can bring someone like Harley Reid that's a ready-made player by the looks of things into your side, then you might just do that. But like we've said, it's going to be um, an interesting watch because the season's long too. Who knows? Like I hope it doesn't happen, but Harley Reid could get injured, not play the rest of the season, and his draft stocks go down and someone else becomes the number one pick. So we really don't know. Well, you mentioned Collingwood, and they did it again. They continue to do it. They're the most predictable team in the AFL for the right reasons. And boy, oh boy, when does it? When's it going? Like, when's it going to not? Ha- I mean, it didn't happen against Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, but geez, they know how to win. It's it's almost like that Melbourne game was a little blemish, and I thought that's all right. That's all right. We'll bounce back next week. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, in the third quarter, when Adelaide kicked seven goals, I thought, oh, actually, no, I'm going to lie by saying I thought we might get a different result. I thought as long as Collingwood is still a sniff, they're, they're going to win this game. And even the commentators said at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Collingwood is still in this game. They'll, they'll probably come away with it. And sure enough, they absolutely did. Mind you, it was in controversial fashion, but you know they did it in the most Collingwood way possible and came back very, very late. And um, just scrape through with a win. Yeah, um, like I thought, Adelaide were Adelaide were fantastic that third quarter, especially. And I think they probably haven't lost any fans with with the way they played yesterday. And there was a lot of lot of criticism on them on them whether they could play away from the Adelaide Oval. And um, yeah, to do what they did at the MCG against the Pies, I think they kicked seven goals or eight goals, maybe I'm not too sure in that third quarter. And um, and yeah, and still nearly pinched it at the end, like you know, the Dawson non-free kick. So they, uh, they, if they make finals, which they should, you'd think um, they can, they can cause a bit of damage. I think if they, uh, if they get everything right. So, um, but yeah, the Pies, I think they're they're looking pretty un- unstoppable at the moment. I think them and Port Adelaide are the two standouts in the competition. Yeah, they absolutely are. And the most exciting thing is they they play each other in a few weeks' time over in Adelaide. So that's going to be an absolute ripper game um, to watch. Port and Collingwood there, the battle of the uh, the three, the battle of the stripes. But it's, um, look, it's it's one of those ones, isn't it, where you just, with Adelaide, you, you know kind of where they're at, but then they're also a surprise packet somehow at the same time where they come out and have a game like this where they very nearly knock Collingwood off and um, at the MCG as well, which is a very hard thing to do. So... I think you're right. Adelaide will definitely be playing finals um, this season. It's just a matter of where they finish on the ladder and whether they get themselves a home final or not would depend, I think, how far they go into finals because I think if you come up against the Crows in a home final in Adelaide, 
um, you're going to have a hard time beating them. Yeah, 100%. If Port Adelaide and Collingwood play, play each other in the grand final, do Port ask for the prison bars? It'd be cheeky of them. It depends who's... Um, I reckon it would depend on whose home it is that they might they could be cheeky and ask for it. I reckon they definitely should. Like when uh, Richmond played Adelaide at the G and Richmond had the, Richmond had the away strip and Adelaide had their home kit on. So if it was Port's home game at the MCG, then I reckon they should definitely ask for it. I can't imagine anybody allowing them to do so, but it would be great. It would be fantastic. Or if they were to win the grand final to then do the uh, the post-match celebrations yeah. in the prison bar jersey. Now, that would, that would be... That would be something else. But, um, geez, we could only pray for a grand final that exciting, can't we? I have a sneaky feeling that if Port Adelaide and Collingwood do meet each other in the grand final, that there will be some theatre with the prison bars and whether that's, yeah, wearing it in the post-game celebrations or just cheekily asking the AFL whether they can wear it or not or or using the, the pre-game build-up or the, the, the hype during the week to promote the prison bars. I think something definitely would happen if, if, they, if those two were in it because they hate each other, those teams. Absolutely do. I mean, I don't know if it's settled down at all since Eddie left the club, but I can't imagine that's the case at all. I reckon there's still some fiery emotions between the two. So, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be something to see, that's for sure. Go down in the history books, I reckon. Yeah, 100%. Um, anything else catch you off from the weekend? I know there was only a handful of games, but we didn't have a lot. I mean, yeah, the Collingwood win, obviously, and then the West Coast loss were two big ones. Geelong getting over the top of Melbourne um, in... You know, a game that you'd think, like, I think a lot of people, not riding off Geelong, but you prob- probably expected Melbourne to get up considering their win against the Pies a couple of weeks earlier. Um, what were your thoughts on, on the Cats? They're obviously, you know, they're going to be there, thereabouts this year. You just can't write them off. Yeah, exactly right. I think, I think that's probably the best way to describe them. You just can't seem to write them off. I did tip Melbourne on the weekend. I thought the way they played against Collingwood, the way Geelong have been playing, I kind of weighed it all up and I thought Melbourne should win this one, but... Like you said, you just can't ride Geelong off there. They're every chance to come out and have a performance like the one that they did. And, um, yeah, and just put teams away, especially GMHBA. I mean, it was maybe silly of me to tip Melbourne because of where the game was being played. At the G, who knows what happens. But, yeah, Geelong, Geelong are going to be scary no matter where they are in the ladder because I just think that they're every chance to come up and have a big win like they did. Yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, I think if they all they need to do, Geelong, is just get in the eight and that will give them enough confidence to... To have a tilt at it, I think if they finished eighth, you that you you'd probably back them in as favourites no matter who they played. So, um, yeah, they just need to get there, get through this injury sort of crisis that they've got. I think they're getting a few players back now, but they get through that. Yeah, watch out, they're they're a dangerous team. Is uh is Paddy Dangerfield the key to Geelong being successful this year, or do you think they can do it without him? Well, they did it without him against the D's, so um, I probably would have thought that before that game, but. They won without him against one of the best teams. So I'd say that absolutely rather have him there than not. But, I mean, they show that they can do it without him. So who knows? Yeah, true. I like that. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it from, from the weekend of footy. Um, as we said at the top, buys are done. Looking forward to this weekend. Both our teams are back in action. Well, every team's back in action, which is which is fantastic. So shall we go through our, our tips for, for each game before we wrap up? Well, I do have a new segment I want to introduce, Marcus, before we do wrap it up. Which, oh, uh, of course, Quinn. Jeez. The new segment. We cannot forget the new segment. So I'll, I'll do a quick – I won't do this every episode, obviously, but I'll run through quickly with the, the origins of it. So uh, there was a uh, an award from when I was back in high school in uh, in Year 8, and it was called the uh, the Good Bloke Award. It was given out to 
someone at the end of every term, um, the four terms of the year, obviously. And I won that award at one stage in year eight. And I remember my family, it was an on-running, it was an ongoing gag with my family making fun of me that the only award I could ever win and notch up from school was the Good Bloke Award. It was never anything anything academic or anything um, sports-wise. It was just for being a good bloke. And then I was chatting with my mum the other day and she was bringing it up and we're having a laugh about it. She goes, why don't you do a segment on your podcast? Well, you, you, you know, you call it the Good Bloke Award and you, you, you find someone each week and you you bring them up. So that's exactly what we're going to do. I've got a couple of nominations this week of uh, who my good bloke is for this week. And um, we'll get into it. We've got the new sting and everything. So we'll just get cracking. So my first honourable mention to those watching, we'll see him on screen here, was uh, Jeremy Cameron. And for those, I mean, living under a rock, you might not have seen what happened between uh, Gary Rowan and Jeremy Cameron with the... Uh, the collision and Jeremy Cameron obviously not being able to see out the game due to a very nasty uh, hip and shoulder from his own teammate. And the nomination goes to Jeremy Cameron because uh, as he was getting wheeled off, Gary Ryan went up to him to apologise. And Jezza Cameron, instead of holding a grudge or being filthy with his teammates, said, mate, don't even worry about it. Just go out there and win. And I think that deserves a nomination for a good bloke of the week. That's a... Um, team first mentality if I've ever seen it. I know if my teammate knocked me out like that, I'd be probably less concerned with the result of the game and probably a little bit filthy with my teammate there. Maybe that's a reflection on me, not Jezza. I'm not sure, but I think nah, he's definitely earned himself a nomination there. My second nomination um, was I'm using the uh, the AFL as a whole instead of one particular person because I'm not sure who's responsible here. But the AFL as a whole, for the first time that I can remember in a long time, the AFL coming out and admitting that there was a mistake made on the weekend that potentially cost the team a game. And I'm obviously referring about the Jordan Dawson incident where there was a missed free kick. And granted, I've watched the replay multiple times. It was a very easy free kick to miss. Um, but the fact that they came out and actually acknowledged the fact that it was a mistake that was made and they missed it is something I've been calling for for a very long time. And I think it's obviously, it does. It takes a bit of guts to come out and admit to the whole AFL public that you, you messed up, especially the Adelaide fans who'd be pretty filthy with it. But they're my uh, second nomination for Good Bloke of the Week. But I think my Good Bloke of the Week, the award is going to someone who's very deserving. And when you're a club like West Coast and you're, you're a supporter of a club like West Coast, it'd be, it'd be very easy to be down in the dumps and you know in a pretty dirty with your team's performances week in, week out. But I think the humour shown by this West Coast fan here is second to none. Now, for those not watching... The West Coast final score graphic on the weekend went up. It was five goals, four, 34 to Swans, 31, 19, 205. And West Coast have captioned this photo, dismantled. And the number one comment on this was, bloody umpires cost us the game. And going back and reading that, obviously that's a piss take. But to me, that is absolutely, uh, that's made my day seeing that. That is very funny to to be able to find humour in a time like that um, and the way the club is going, I thought was outstanding. So well done to, uh, let's read his name out here. Let's Well done to little, that's not the one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's read it. The little little soups. The bloody umpires cost the game. Little soups and instar. You are an absolute champion, mate. And uh, well done on your good bloke of the week, not award. Very. That was that was great. No, um, umpires definitely cost them the game. That was fantastic. 170 point loss. All blame on the umpires. No problem at all. If, I tell you what, a Richmond supporter would probably genuinely say that as well. That's the scary part. Yeah. I would genuinely believe that a loss like that was by umpires. But anyway, we'll move on from Richmond supporters. Yeah. Do you honestly think that this photo sums up West Coast at the moment? <laughs> I love that you threw that up before, but yeah, you, you honestly, I think 
I think at the new AFL game, honestly, honestly doomed West Coast. I mean, there's no coincidence there's no these two stills both featured West Coast players and their season genuinely looks like that now. Yeah. It honestly is. It's like, you know how the Simpsons pre- predict everything? It's like AFL 23 has predicted their season. Do you reckon Red Ant Studios now are the, the, uh, are the new Simpsons? They're just coming up with all the goods, all the predictions. The Nostradamus. They must be. <laughs> I don't mind it. Although I will say, West Coast didn't see the umpire do this sing- signal too many times on the weekend, I wouldn't have thought. That's a- I reckon Adam Simpson wishes he was the goal umpire on the weekend. I reckon he, he would have been tempted to run down there himself and give these ones, I reckon, no doubt. But um, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that. But you mentioned it before. Uh, let's... Uh, let's- Run through our tips because it's uh, another big week of footy. Like you said, bye week is over. Yep. So we've got Brisbane and Richmond Thursday night. Obviously, you're tipping Richmond, I'm guessing. Yeah. Brain says Brisbane, heart says Richmond, and I always lead with the heart. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go the Tigers, even though I'm not, I know it's not the sensible decision. Yep. Yep. Now, Brisbane for me. Friday night, we've got Sydney and Geelong at the SCG. Not a bad game. Well, you I mean Sydney did play no one last week, but they still. They still kick 200 points, so it's going to be a better game than what we thought a couple of weeks ago. It'll definitely be a better game. Um, but like you said, I think just, I don't know, you, you lose hope in Geelong and then you see them win like they did and your confidence with them just goes back up through the roof again. So I think for me, I'm going to go the Cats. I think I like what I saw from them on the weekend and I'm going to back them in to do it one more time because despite the the win Sydney had, before that we really hadn't seen much at all. So, yeah, Geelong for me. Yeah, Geelong for me as well. Saturday, we've got Adelaide and North Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. Man, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah crow, Crows, obviously. Yep. Crows. Uh, Bulldogs, Frio at Marvel. It's going to be a good game as well. It is going to be a good game. The only thing, I'm, I'm going to tip the dogs. The only thing that scares me is the dogs are coming off the bye and Frio are not. So it's, um, it's something to be cautious of, but I just, yeah, I think home game for the Dogs, Marvel Stadium. They've only got a handful of home games left for the year. I reckon um, it's definitely yeah, they they get to win this one. They want to finish top four as well because they're just teetering at the moment percentage wise and yeah, points. Yeah, no, very important game for the Dogs, and I think yeah, Freo just haven't travelled well this year either. So Dogs for me, um, Gold Coast and Collingwood at Heritage Bank. That's I mean, Gold Coast bounce back somewhat against the Hawks and looked much better than they did the week before. But JB, you'd be brave to tip them against Collingwood. Yeah, I won't be tipping them. But they, they, they go all right against each other, these two sides. I don't mind the matchup at all. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard hard to tip against Collingwood the way they're going this season. It doesn't matter who they're coming up against. So, yeah, pies for me. Yeah. Essendon, Port Adelaide at the MCG Saturday nights. Jeez. Uh... I mean, I've got to go Port. I mean, they've won, what, 12 in a row now? How do you tip against a team that's won that many in a row? So They're also coming off the bye. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, again, though, I'm, I am going to back another bye team in this week. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm back in don't rate Essendon in that highly, do you? No, I'm not that – yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing really well this season, Essendon. But I tipped them last week to beat Freo, and I don't think Freo have been doing much. And – they, they lost convincingly to Fremantle. I know it's at the MCG, so it's a different kettle of fish, but I've witnessed Port firsthand at the MCG this year and they've, they've played not too badly. So I'm going to go Port, but it is dangerous coming off the bye, I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah, Port for me as well. Sunday, we've got Hawthorne and Carlton at the MCG. This is going to be a, uh, a bottom four blockbuster. 
sometimes a couple of the worst teams can produce some of the best matches. So uh, it's going to be an interesting one. And finally this week, I don't have to say that this will be the week Carlton bounce back because you guys finally won a couple of weeks ago. So I will be tipping you guys again. Um, but Hawthorne, like we've said, I think are going to break a few hearts this season and are going to beat teams such as Richmond, Carlton, and these sorts of teams that are really scrapping and fighting for that sort of eighth spot. Um, they're going to beat a few of these teams and really make their season hard. But I will tip the Blues. I've got faith that um, they've got a bit of confidence and that they should get the job done. Yeah, Blues should win. Hawks didn't look great on the weekend, but who knows with with both these teams? These both these teams very very hard to uh, to judge this season. Um, but you think the Blues win um, win this one? Um, also on Sunday we've got Melbourne and. The Giants up in Alice Springs. So first game at Alice Springs for the, for the year. So it's going to be nice and hot up there for them. Absolutely. Um, I wonder, I want to see if they pull out the, um, I don't know the room for it, but what are, those, what are those like ice rooms that they've got, those cool rooms that they go in when they're on the bench? I want to see if they whip those out again because mm. uh, it's just something different to see every week. You don't see that, obviously, down in Melbourne, but it will be a good game, no doubt. But I just think Melbourne, uh, they really want to, you know, stand themselves a Genuine top four. They're going to beat teams like the Giants no matter where it is. And um, I think they'll get the job done. Yeah, yeah. D's for me as well. And then the last game of the round, geez, save the best to last. West Coast and St. Kilda at Optus Stadium. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter where that's played. Yeah, but. well, I mean, that could be played on Mars. And I think West, uh, West Coast would still lose that game. So, yeah, obviously, Saints Saints for me. Yeah, Saints get a nice little confidence booster next week, which is, which is good. So, um, but yeah, that is good. Nine games. We're back to uh, back to normality in the AFL fixture, and looking forward to it. the The business end of the season is officially here, and um, there's some big games coming up. So, very excited for for what's to come. Absolutely, it's going to be uh, a very exciting back half of the year. But before we go, as always, I want to thank our wonderful sponsor, Gavos Freight Solutions, who. I mean, you'll see all the details below, but without him, this show wouldn't be possible and we wouldn't be able to keep going the way we do. So thank you to Peter and the team at Gavos Freight Solutions. But other than that, Marcus, I reckon we're just about ready to call it a day. Oh, I think so, mate. It's uh, It's been good. Good to be back as well. And uh, yeah, let's, let's fingers crossed both our teams can can win because every game is a big game for both our teams if we, we want to make something of this season. So uh, fingers crossed. But um, yeah. We'll, um, we'll chat to you all next week and hopefully your team wins as well. 